Hello, and welcome to This Week at Charlestown Road, a branch of the Heavenbound podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and this is where we reflect on the weekend that was. We dig a little deeper into a recent sermon to give you something to think about as this week unfolds and preview what's to come this next weekend at Charlestown Road. We are glad to have you to be with us. Right now, we're in the midst of a very special few days of what we call a singing workshop. We've invited Tim Stevens from Texas to come up here and be with us. Tim's father, R.J. Stevens, edited a lot of hymn books through the years, and he has since passed on, but Tim has kind of picked up the mantle, and he goes around about the country kind of showing congregations how to improve in singing and how to help song leaders. And so we have just been singing, singing, singing here the last few days, and it's just been a wonderful, wonderful time to do that. And what we want to do in our special uh, podcast today is talk about the value of singing. And sometimes we we put a lot of emphasis on our prayers and our preaching and things like that. And sometimes we just kind of don't give a lot of attention to singing. And Tim has done a wonderful job of kind of bringing that to our forefront and the value of singing. And we want to go back and kind of revisit some of that. We have one more opportunity this evening. And we encourage you, if you're in the area and like to come and be with us, it's at 7 o'clock tonight. And we will continue our singing workshop workshop with Tim Stevens. And it's just been a valuable, valuable asset to us and a good help for our congregation. We are very thankful for the work of a variety of men who have uh, captured these lessons, beginning with Tim's sermon on Sunday morning. I have heard multiple people talk about how powerful that service was. That was all engineered by Tim focusing on this powerful phrase we sometimes sing. He could have called 10,000 angels. Really, we just sang a couple of songs to get our hearts and minds prepared and then Tim th- took us through the the crucifixion of Jesus, just leaning on Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, reminding us of exactly what happened. And throughout that sermon, he led us in a variety of songs. We observed the Lord's Supper just right in the middle. It was a great way to set the stage, not just for the Lord's Day, but for these few days Roger, also, I I just really appreciated during our Bible class period how Tim took us to two classic passages about singing, Colossians 3, Ephesians 5, and he asked some really basic questions, but the way those were structured and framed was a powerful reminder. Come, let us all unite to sing was the name of that. And he just asked, using those two passages, who sings, to whom, when, why, what, and how. You want to walk back through those basic questions? Yeah, let's first of all grab the passage for our our listeners. Uh, I'll read Colossians 3, verse 16. I can Uh, be ready with Ephesians 5. Sure. And it says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. 
And once you go ahead and read the Ephesians one. Yeah, he highlighted verse one. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. He moved from there to verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Verse 17 through 20. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's start with those questions. Who sings? What do we learn from Colossians 3 and Ephesians 5? From the context, it's the people of God. Verse 12 says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion. He's he's talking about the people of God, the saints. That's who's going to be singing. They're singing to their creator. They're singing because they belong to God. Yeah, so to whom was the second question, and you already alluded to that, we are making melody in our hearts to the Lord. Who, who sings? Children of God. To whom are we singing? Well, our primary audience is the Lord. His third question was well, let, let, when? Let, Let's just put a pause on there real okay. fast. Let me, yeah. let me put an editorial comment in here. Okay. okay. A lot of times in the contemporary church today, the music is addressed to the audience. It's like a concert. Yeah. And I've been to a lot of concerts, and I go, and they are to entertain me. These passages, Ephesians and Colossians, they both end with singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. We're singing to God. We're not singing to entertain each other. We're singing to praise the Lord. And that is essential to keep that before us. Yeah. His third question was when. And, of course, what maybe immediately comes to our minds is when we've gathered together, right? There is a sense, of course, that we are encouraging each other, admonishing each other as we sing to God. But I loved his answer, it, it kind of took me by surprise when at first he, he asked when, and he got a, a smile on his face, and he said, anytime, yeah, anytime. Yeah. We can sing to God anytime. And he provided some great examples of that from the book of Acts, for instance, Paul and Silas singing in that Philippian jail. But what a powerful reminder that we don't have to be in the walls of a church building. We don't have to be surrounded by other people in order to sing. We can sing anytime. His fourth question, Roger, was why? And the why is because God says so. Yeah, Uh, It is God who says through scriptures, through the Holy Spirit, sing. And, And that's why we sing, because God says so. And so you know, to follow the word of God means you're going to do that. And this is important why we do that. Yeah. His fifth question was what? And of course, that comes through in both Colossians 3, Ephesians 5. We sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Our Bibles are right in the heart of them, full of 150 different psalms, right? That was Israel's ancient songbook revolving around songs of praise, songs of thanksgiving, songs of lament. He highlighted that psalms, those would be things that were inspired, right? David, for instance, in the book of Psalms, 
is carried along by the Holy Spirit of God. We've also got hymns and spiritual songs, perhaps not inspired, written by men and women after the age of the apostles, but still in harmony with the word and will of God. They are what we use to speak to one another, encourage each other, challenge one another, provoke one another to love and good works. We haven't been left, Roger, I I know you mentioned you recently saw a concert, 100 Years of Disney. Well, when we gather together, we don't sing the the anthems of Aladdin, right? As, as great and catchy as some of those songs are, God has told us what to sing. They are God-centered songs. Yeah, and, and hymns may be more defined as praise, praise mm-hmm. toward God. Spiritual songs may be more generic in the aspect that some of our songs uh, are, are questions we ask each other. You know, you know, are you washed in the blood of Jesus? Well, that's a question. And, you know, uh, it makes you think about those things. And so, so again, all of them combined, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, they are things that will help us praise the Lord, help us in our journey with God. Yeah. The final question was how? How do we sing these? We use our hearts, right? Making melody in your heart to the Lord. He highlighted there at the end of that session that the instrument we use is our God-given Hearts, and that makes it personal, right? To, to go back to your comment, your, I think you called it an editorial comment a moment ago. We're not simply spectators here. We're, we are not the primary audience. We are the participants. We are offering what Hebrews 13 describes as our own sacrifice of praise, the fruits of lips that acknowledge and honor the name of God. And and when you look at the Old Testament and then see the parallel in the New Testament, the Old Testament had a literal temple. The church is the temple today, not the building, but the people. We are the temple. And the the Old Testament had literal sacrifices. Romans 12 says we offer living sacrifices. Our lives are sacrifices. The Old Testament, they had instruments, physical uh, musical instruments that they played. We are the instruments today. And so it's good to see that kind of parallel and it helps us as we think about the value of singing things to God. Yeah, it was a great lesson. Again, it was called Come, Let Us All Unite to Sing. It's available there at charlestownroad.org. Who sings to whom, when, why, what, and how. Roger, I know over the course of the last couple of days, you've jotted down a couple of takeaways that you would love for all of our church family and all of those who have visited to remember and apply and carry with us. What what sort of takeaways from this series have you jotted down? Well, when you think about the value of singing, uh, singing is something that all of us can do. Uh, not everybody can preach. Not everybody is comfortable teaching. But all of us can sing. I've got a whole boatload of grandkids, and they're always singing. And whether you're young or you're old, whether you understand music or not, everybody can sing. And that's one of the valuable things. This is not something that God says, well, only the gifted can do this or only a select few will do this. Every one of us can do that. And that's just a valuable thing about that aspect. Another thing is singing unites us. When we're all singing together, and that's one thing Tim has really taught us, how to get our voices together, how to follow what the song leader's doing. When we're all doing that, we're united. 
And, and what a great example of unity when we're blending our voices, deep voices, tenor voices, all kinds of voices, but we're all together on those things. Singing also reminds us. It reminds us of these great biblical principles and truths, reminds us of the goodness of God. And sometimes in our busy world, we forget about those things, but a hymn comes to our mind and how helpful they are to us. You know, uh, back at the first of the year, our, one of our sons had a serious medical condition and it seems like every day my wife and I were wake, waking up with just a different hymn in our mind. It just come to us and we'd share that with each other, how comforting those hymns hymns could be to us. And, and and as we see here in Colossians and Ephesians, hymns and singing honors God. This is why God wants this. This is something that's valuable to God. Singing is something that you can do anywhere. You can do this in your car by yourself. You can do this. I knew a guy one time who was having a serious medical test. Uh, he's having like a, a MRI and he could not move. He had to be still. And he just started quietly singing hymns to himself. And they pulled him out. He was done. <laughs> he says, I still got more hymns. <laughs> and, and, and that leads us to the last point is that the hymns encourage us. Yeah. Uh, how many of us can, can think of a hymn and it takes us somewhere? Maybe, maybe it was a funeral of a dear, uh, dear friend of ours. Or maybe it's a comforting time in our life. But those hymns can really, really make a difference in our lives. Yeah, I, I, I love those takeaways. I'll just add one more. I, I love how hymns remind us that we are only the most recent link in a very long chain. I, I don't think we can take for granted or should take for granted some of the songs that we sing are hundreds and hundreds of years old. We sing some songs that were written right around a thousand AD, a handful of them even earlier than that. We sing songs from the 1600s, 1700s. We sing a whole lot of songs from the 1800s. That, that, that means they are more than 200 years old. Now, there are some beautiful, powerful hymns that I and so many others love that have been written here just within the last couple of years. But singing, especially if we'll take a little bit of time every once in a while to notice, okay, who wrote this? And our songbooks are always very good about giving us the year that they wrote it. I don't think that's idle historical trivia. That's just a reminder that, okay, God's people have been singing this, in our instance, in the English language for hundreds of years. That ought to remind us, okay, the world doesn't revolve around me. We are not the only people who have ever lived, who have ever faced challenges or hardships. We're not the only people who are living with the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We are just the most recent link in a very long chain of faith and praise. And, and if you really want to go that make that chain really long, we have uh, two or three different versions of Psalms 23. Oh, yeah. And that's just straight from the Old Testament Bible. 3,000 years yeah. old. <laughs> so we got some old. And, and, and to think about how these songs were sung by 
people all over. I mean, they, they, were, they were maybe in little bitty log cabins back in the 1800s, maybe in times of war. Somebody is just singing to him because he's scared. There's people in hospitals. There's, you know, just, just all these different contexts. And these hymns have been sung and sung and sung, and they have meant so much. And for all of us who are Christians, there's probably that hymn that was sung right before we went and got baptized, and that hymn had something to do with that. It it touched our hearts and made us realize, I need to do it, and I need to do it now. And that's a great thing. Roger, you mentioned that we've got one more session. That is this evening at 7 o'clock p.m. Uh, Tim is going to be highlighting the importance of following the leader in our congregational song worship. And so we would love to have you join us this evening at 7 o'clock p.m. As long as we've been looking forward to this series, here it is. We are on the very end of it. We're thankful for it. But, Roger, we're also looking forward to Sunday, and you are scheduled to preach this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Yeah, I'm going to take a phrase out of Matthew 27. After Jesus had died and the Jews came to Pilate and they were afraid that the body was going to be stolen— and they wanted some special security done. And Pilate makes a statement, make it as secure as you can. And we're going to just kind of talk about that context and then use that phrase to talk about several different applications in our life, to make it as secure as you can. After that 930 assembly, we'll have Bible classes for all ages. We would love to have you join us on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, 5 o'clock p.m. Every time there is a fifth Sunday, happens a, a few times throughout the year, and this Sunday evening, the last Sunday in October, is a fifth Sunday. We devote those to singing. And so we are looking forward to just continuing to keep that ball rolling. The theme of that service will be from one of a, a, a favorite hymn of many, Make Me a Servant, Make Me Like You. We'll talk about Jesus, how he was a servant, but not just looking at his example. We want to make him or have him make us like him. And so we would love to have you join us at 5 o'clock p.m. as well for that song service. Roger, it's been a good week already. I appreciate you joining me today, and we appreciate for all of you for listening to This Week at Charlestown Road. It would be great to see you tonight, 7 o'clock p.m. We're already looking forward to Sunday, the best day of the week. We would love to have you come and grow with us. Mm-hmm.